Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Adam Hawkins. Each episode, I share a small batch of software engineering theory and best practices. If you enjoy this podcast, then please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Well, hello again. Adam here for the next episode of Small Batches. I'm going to switch gears away from the 12.1 Factor app for a while, but rest assured I will return to this thread with a vengeance. Also, I've recorded two different hour-long episodes with Jason Sweat on his podcast, Rails with Jason. We talked about DevOps, continuous delivery, testing, and more. I'll publish them as bonus episodes when they're available. I think you'll enjoy them. All right, today we're covering the four types of work. Here we go. Every team needs a taxonomy to categorize the work they do. Taxonomies make it easier to reason abstractly about work and its role in the business. There are two types of work on the surface, features and non-features. Features require no further explanation. Non-features, though, are a bigger group. Bugs or defects fall into this category. Defects and features do not account for all the other work software teams do, though. Features and defects are easy to grok because they correlate directly with business value. Features attract customers, and defects are broken features or quality regressions. Teams do more than develop features and just squash bugs, though. Engineers spike on new problems, developers refactor code and pay down technical debt. There's also the routine maintenance of library updates and security features. These don't fit squarely into bugs or features. So how are they classified? These examples demonstrate the two remaining types of work, debts and risks. Activities like refactoring or updating libraries are debts because they improve the system. This work focuses on the team's ability to sustainably deliver the other three types of work. Risks address security, privacy, or compliance exposures. The four types of work create a zero-sum model for choosing which support business objectives. So if a team devotes 100% of their capacity to features, then there's no capacity to fix bugs, pay down technical debt, or de-risk the business. A startup with fixed runway may choose to do this. Subsequently, they may devote more capacity to debts and bugs once they clear the runway. On the other hand, a business with strong regulatory requirements like banking or healthcare may allocate the majority of their capacity to risks since that's a core business priority. The point is that a business's distribution of features, defects, risks, and debts will vary over time as business goals change. The four types of work enable different members of the organization to understand the business value of each and the relative prioritization trade-offs. Now let's step back. Consider the three ways of DevOps, flow, feedback, and learning. DevOps applies the three ways to the engineering value stream. Now ultimately, one of these four types of work will land in an engineer's backlog. That's where DevOps kicks in. If we think more abstractly, then we can break free of the engineering-centric perspective. The principle of flow states that work should move from development to production as quickly as possible. Then, the principle of feedback says that information about production should drive future development. The four types of work correlate with business telemetry. Features provide value, fixing bugs improve quality, and each of these makes customers happy. Paying down debts keeps costs down, and mitigating risk keeps other factors stable. So, work, that's features, defects, debts, and risks, flow left to right across the value stream, resulting in changes to value, quality, cost, and happiness. This is the underpinning of the flow framework. Mick Kirsten introduced the flow framework in his book, Project to Product, published by IT Revolution Press. That's the same publisher behind the DevOps Handbook, Accelerate, and the Phoenix Project, just to name a few. Here's the tip of the iceberg on the Flow Framework. The Flow Framework applies the DevOps principles to the entire business. 
The flow framework models the business as a networked value stream. The value stream turns, quote, flow items, represented by the four types of work, into business value. Businesses can track the value stream network with four metrics. Flow velocity measures how many items were completed over a period of time. Flow time measures how long it takes to go from, quote, work started to, quote, work complete, including any wait time along the way. Flow efficiency is the ratio of active versus wait time as a proportion of the total flow time. And lastly, flow load measures the number of items in progress on a current value stream. There's more to the flow framework that I can cover in a single episode of this podcast. I think this is a good jumping off point for your own research though. I've already written a dedicated guide to project to product which you can get for free. Visit smallbatches.fm slash nine for links to my free guide, an infographic on the flow framework, and trust me, this makes much more sense visually, and other great material from Mick Kirsten. That's all for this one, folks. Thanks for listening, and happy shipping. Want to learn more about DevOps but don't have time for books? Then sign up for my free email course at freedevopscourse.com. The course details the three ways in-depth, along with continuous delivery, trunk-based development, and much more over the course of nine days. Sign up now at freedevopscourse.com.